Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, he's Matt Harmon, and today we're here to tell you the things you should immediately forget, yes forget, about the 2021 fantasy football season. But first, obviously... Right now, everyone is in Indianapolis, or it feels that way. Uh, Our colleagues, Eric Edholm and Charles Robinson, have booths on the ground in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium covering the Combine. And this is kind of, I think, Matt, you'd agree, like the first off-season, quote, off-season NFL event that starts the rumor mill churning. And, you know, we got to talk about some of these because some of these topics will turn into nothing. Others will look back on and say like, oh, you know what? Chris Ballard did say something and we should have taken better notice. So we're, I mean, I'm just saying Chris Ballard, not that he's on this list. He's definitely on this list. Um, So we're going to start with that. And, you know, if we're talking about rumors, where better to start with than Green Bay, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. The Athletics' Matt Schneidman reports that, quote, the worst kept secret of the combine is that Aaron Rodgers will remain with the Packers in 2022. We talked about free agents last week on last week's show. I think this was the conclusion we came to seven days ago. Yes, it feels like it's become officially unofficial, basically almost since he, um, I guess ever since he sh- he did the gratitude thing and then went on McAfee and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, and it was kind of like ever since then, people have kind of started to put it together that, yeah, he's not really he's not going anywhere. And I think that's one of my grand takeaways from the the news mill, the rumor mill coming out of the combine. And that's really like, you know, obviously the this big spectacle of the combine is, of course, you know, the rookie prospects, they work out, they do all that stuff. Um, but the big like, you're right, this is really where the table is set for the rest of the offseason. You know, all the agents are there, the coaches are everybody but Sean McVay is, is at the combine, um, you know, but I guess what's the point of him being there, right? He didn't need to take right. a look at all these rookies and he knows all the guys he's got to bring back. So, uh, yeah, it's very much table setting for the rest of the offseason. And, you know, one of my big grand takeaways is that it seems like this whole massive veteran quarterback movement, you know, that, that we, we might have thought was going to happen in November or December um, is probably not going to take place. You know, we'll talk about a few of the other guys along the way, at least on the higher end here. Roger sounds like he's going to stay put. I think the biggest clue is when they hired Tom Clements out of retirement, his old quarterback coach from not even this era of Packers coaching staff. Like this was like the Mike McCarthy era. Tom Clements is a big Aaron Rodgers guy. Rodgers loves Tom Clements. Like old 68 year old Tom Clements ain't coming back to out of retirement 
getting off the couch or getting off the boat wherever he was to come coach Jordan Love, you know, in, in 2022. So I think that was the first real signal that, yeah, as uh, Matt Schneidman said, it's the worst kept secret. Rodgers is not going anywhere. The Broncos little pipe dream. That was adorable, uh, but that's probably not going to happen. I will say that the Broncos' numerous coaching moves did enough, added some kindling to the fire. And sure. so, you know, um, obviously the talk out of the combine from the Broncos POV has been like, we've we've got to focus on more positions than quarterback. I don't know if that's Do you though? <laughs> accurate, but but that 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 also is like another tell. So, you know, we have to talk about the Packers because they're going to continue to be discussed. I think you make an excellent uh, point about Clements coming out of retirement and, you know, I think I think we've said it. Can we can we move on there? Sure. We're just waiting for basically them to sign a contract extension, some sort of like they're going to franchise tag Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers will sign like a little two year contract extension. Um, he'll be paid a boatload of money that's and then it. he'll be. Yeah, that's that's the deal. That's, here. that's all we're waiting for. The I think the decision has been made. Rodgers has told the boys he's coming back. But nobody's going to say it officially until someone puts pen to paper and there's money changing hands. It's about the bag. That's what he oh, is yeah. after here. Like, we know he's mercurial, but I, I I am with you that this is, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers do this, but if only we had data available on Aaron Rodgers misleading people and then ending up getting what he wants. Like, I, I, that would be incredible if we could have some, something, <laughs> some research that existed. Um, but... Yeah. I do think we've even seen him do this sort of, I don't know if I want to call it posturing. It's, I mean, this sort of chess playing in order to strike a really big deal. And I know sometimes the public has these feelings about players being greedy, but they're business people. And yeah. the owners, by the way, they business people, right? Yeah. Football is family until it's about dollars. And so Aaron Rodgers is probably doing what he does very well. Um, in order to not just like secure the bag, but numerous bags. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he's a quarterback in the twilight, probably maybe not the end of his career, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, this is what's going to happen. So, uh, and this is how it usually works. <laughs> As particularly with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so the Giants are, <laughs> it's your favorite team, Matt. I know that you actually, I love that this is on the outline because you spent a good portion of the regular season talking about how you couldn't wait to get to the end of it so you wouldn't have to talk about the Giants anymore. And oh, friend, here we are. Uh, can I can I just say that? like that that's like <laughs> the in the off season version of the Giants are actually quite a bit more interesting than the in season like the in season version of the Giants like same old stuff every single week. And you know now that we're post Joe Judge, we're post Dave Gettleman especially. I do actually think they're. A, a rather fascinating team to talk about because like poor Joe Shane's going to have to pay for the sins of Dave Gettleman, like, and, and potentially a lot of other teams could, could benefit from it here. Well, he, he may not want actually feel like paying for them because it looks like the giants are maybe more prematurely or earlier than people speculated starting a full reboot in the same week that the team released Devonta Booker, who was there on a one year deal about a little over 860 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns for Booker. By the way, uh, they release him and now famously also... mistaken for Saqu for Saquon Barkley was mistaken for Devonte Booker, and it was a whole big thing when you know, like in the middle of one game. Do you remember that when like the announcers kind of mixed them up and Twitter had a field day with the fact that oh, you can't even tell the difference between these two guys anymore. So yeah, that's was that was the highlight of Devonte Booker's season. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it might have translated 
to the current front office because, you know, he's Joe's talking about being open to potentially trading Saquon Barkley. He didn't say he was going to do it, but he certainly didn't say, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to extend Barkley's contract. Um, it does seem like this, if Barkley is not traded, this is certainly his last year in New York. Yes. And this is kind of what I mean, like not physically paying money to the, these old players, but like cleaning up the mess that Dave Gettleman left him in is really what Joe Shane has to do because there are a lot of teams, you know, that are pressed up against the cap that currently need to clear cap space to get just to, just to get into the positive in terms of cap space. Um, You know, there are teams like the saints, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Rams, uh, the, the Titans, uh, for example, the bills, they need to do it. The, the one thing that the giants don't share the DNA of these teams, they share the DNA of cap problems. They're also bad. Like, so they're a team that needs to let a lot of room off their roster. They need to kind of gut this thing. And I'm not surprised actually that, you know, they have a guy in Brian Dayball and they have a guy in Joe Shane who come from the same, you know, place in Buffalo. Joe Shane worked under Brandon Bean, who ironically actually, uh, was in the same front office as Dave Gettleman back in Carolina, but was much more of the like analytics focused cap focused guy. And and he kind of had to do a similar thing in Buffalo where they were a team that was hovering around relevancy. Um, but when Brandon Bean got there and eventually brought in Sean McDermott, like they kind of hit the reset on that thing too. So the giants are going to have to do that, you know, and the reason they're talking about Saquon Barkley, besides the fact that he obviously is been dealing with injuries basically the last two years and when you play 15 games total right over the past two years exactly has not really given them what you'd want even when he's been on the field you know it's been kind of all right well was this really worth the number two overall pick type of situation and you know now now they're kind of having to do that because he's a he's a player that might be appealing in terms of uh, I I can't imagine what a team would trade for him but maybe somebody trades for him and they can get his salary off the books you know a guy like James Bradbury who's one of the few good players that Dave Gettleman signed and is a high end starter. He might have to get released, uh, you know, because of his contract, you know, Sterling Shepard, who, you know, they're, they're definitely going to ask him to take a pay cut potentially all the way down to the veteran minimum. Some folks have talked about. So, um, and he's obviously a guy who's, who's injured again. He tore his Achilles late in the season after a bunch of injuries. Like we know the situation with Sterling Shepard, but again, these are quality players, at least starting level guys who are potentially going to have to get cut off this roster because of how they managed the cap last year. We're talking about all of these players and particularly that are aligned in contracts to Saquon Barkley, but we haven't yet mentioned Daniel Jones. Joe Shane did say that he is the starting quarterback ellipses right now. Uh, It's also interesting that on the same week, and you mentioned the connective tissue between Dable and Shane and Buffalo, that Mitch Trubisky, who backed up Josh Allen... Uh, last season in Buffalo is also um, being buzzed around as a possible acquisition to come to the Giants. Mitch Trubisky is like the hottest name on the on the market right now, which is so weird. I, I guess I get it. Obviously, when you know the Rogers and the Wilsons of the world, and and you know what next what, tier, babe. Yeah, what's still? But that's a, that's a few tiers down. <laughs> like if you're not going to get in the Jimmy Garoppolo business, no, though, though, like this this free agent market is not flush with starting quarterbacks because spoiler alert free agent markets are never flush with starting quarterbacks it is rather good if you're looking for that you know 
low, low end starter, but high end backup, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater, the Jameis Winston, um, the Marcus Mariota experience, uh, Tyrod Taylor, even I think fits in. And Mitch Trubisky's the one guy here. That's a little bit more. If you squint at it, well, things weren't good in Chicago and maybe he can have a little redemption, uh, situation on his sec or his third team. Now, obviously Dayball would make sense. Spent a year there. Um, I think this is the it's the perfect way to approach Daniel Jones, though, because, um, yeah, obviously, if you're the Giants, you're not even in a theoretical world where Russell Wilson is available. You're not an attractive Russell Wilson destination because of the roster right now. You and suck. The way that, right. He's yeah, you suck. Right. You ain't in it. <laughs> you're not. Exactly. So I think like, OK, well, let's see what Daniel Jones can do uh, on this roster. And then if he stinks, which he probably will stink or, you know, give you somewhere between below average to average play, you just move on next year. But, yeah, why not give yourself a viable? alternative if it's not Trubisky it's you know a Mariota or a Tyrod Taylor type to come on in there and and mess around too uh, what do you think of the Trubisky thing though because like Washington has been a popular place to connect him to as well like is there any is there any hope for I, I know you you he's close to, to your universe here still sort of um, I, I mean, I am not convinced that Mitch Trubisky is that different than Taylor Heineke if we're looking at this from the commander's point of view. I mean, two players who have moxie and, you know, good mobility. Like, I, I, I'm sure that, you know, if you look at draft pedigree, there's a difference between those. But, like, I don't know if we really appreciate um, how well the evaluation in the front office in Chicago is done, right? Like, so there are certainly, I think what makes it the most intriguing is because Dable had been there and we saw what Dable did for Josh Allen, right, and and his matriculation in uh, as a professional. So I think there is potential there. I also think, you know, what we were talking about a little bit earlier, that this giant veteran movement isn't going to happen. And the fact that we're hearing names like Marcus Mariota, like Mitch Trubisky, is more and more evidence of the fact that Russell Wilson is going to stay in Seattle and Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay and we're not going to have this upheaval. So I think a lot of teams are sort of like, okay, and next. And so that's why these names are bubbling up to the up to the top. And we'll see. I, a lot of these guys are going to move around because they have to. Um, and, you know, the Commanders is a place. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh is a, a, a spot. Um, yeah. Though <laughs> a lot of Tampa. talk about Kenny about the rookie can you pick it with the hand size out of pit coming oh, in baby, hand, baby hands kenny yeah but this is kind of where we are and where we'll continue to be for a couple of months um the vikings have their own quarterback issues though again Kirk cousins probably gonna stay in minnesota that's not he's not likely to move around um kevin o'connell did say that justin jefferson would move around a lot more in 2022. Look at that. It's like a pro. Um, now ask me how to say Joe Shane's name one more time. Um, <laughs> just like Cooper Cup, obviously Kevin O'Connell with the Rams. Very familiar, very close to the Cooper Cup situation. I looked up a few stats. Uh, Justin Jefferson obviously led the team in snaps with 965 total. Pretty even split between the outside and in the slot, 541 total outside and 464 total in the slot. And they were pretty evenly divided between left slot, left out, right slot, right out. So what's interesting is obviously Cup was used in more creative ways. He was used tight. Um, so he also like logged a ton more snaps. Now, a lot of that had to do with Robert Woods's injury and uh, OBJ finding his way. But um, I do think that in terms of fantasy stock, 
man, I mean, he's uh, Justin Jefferson is already a prime prospect, a prime pick that I can't imagine his stock going any further. But you know that this this is one of those combine nugs that is going to drive fantasy stock through the roof and maybe just for good reason, but it's certainly going to affect the market. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson has a history as a slot receiver too, you know, coming into the NFL, if you spin this back to a couple of years ago, it was, can Justin Jefferson do anything but play in the slot? Because Jamar Chase was the number one alpha receiver there, outside guy uh, in 2019. And uh, Justin Jefferson was the interior guy. Um, you know, but he only saw like 25%, uh, 25.8% of his targets from the slot last year. He's been mostly an outside guy. I mean, I, I think, hell yeah, why not like move players around? I think that the only thing that I would pause with like most Number one receivers, I think because Justin Jefferson has a history of playing inside, um, you know, it's it's going to be an easier transition for him than than most other receivers. There's a lot more dirty work to play in that Cooper Cup role than most people think. It's like he's not just a guy they're going to they're going to line up inside and get him a bunch of bunny hop targets. I mean, we definitely know that's not true after last year. Maybe Jared Goff was giving him a lot of bunny hop targets as that big slot receiver. But, you know, Matthew Stafford's unlocking him on the deep post on the deep dig some of uh, Cooper Cup's best routes. Uh, but, you know, Cup does a, a ton of blocking. You know, he does a, a ton of like, I, I've been saying this about Cooper Cup for years. I think he has the most unique role among any wide receiver in the NFL. And this was pre 2021 he was doing a lot of like coming in there chipping guys before they'd you know go rush the quarterback and then run out and be wide open against zone coverage I mean you certainly get a lot of layup looks when you're Cooper Cup and that's why he was a big part of why he was able to have the season he, he had last year but the the dirty work part of it you know the the over the middle stuff getting blasted by linebackers sometimes like it's Again, because Justin Jefferson is done, I don't think it's a big problem for him. But I think if you were to say, I don't know, Julio Jones in his prime, just stick him in and be like a 60% slot guy. Um, this I'm not questioning Julio Jones as a player back in, back in the day. But like just for an example, there's it's not as just an easy transition to do what you do outside, now do it inside. Well, I will say the fact that there is connective tissue coming from Los Angeles to Minnesota makes that transition more believable. I, I think you make great points, but also, you know, the when you're talking about the receivers chipping and blocking, like Robert Woods additionally was excellent yep, at that. So that's very much an identity to the offense in Los Angeles that I don't think we talk about. I mean, I think Robert Woods and it probably helped Cooper Cup to have Woods as a visual. I think it I've always maintained that Robert Woods was probably the best overall in terms of versatile skill set receiver. I liked him more than Cooper Cup heading into last year I'll own it uh it didn't work out well for me but even knowing that that's part of the identity that works so well in Los Angeles and a, a multi-dimensionality that certainly existed for the Rams that hasn't been there for the Vikings over numerous years is part of it's not just an, a new OC saying oh we're going to use him like this other guy that just had a historic yeah. season. It's the guy who was with the guy saying, we're going to take mm -hmm. a lot of these same principles and install them. And I think you're right. You know, you and I comped Justin Jefferson to Keenan Allen when he was initially coming out. Um, and so he is starting to ascend towards that ceiling. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, Adam Thielen's another guy who's done the sort of inside out stuff uh, at different times. Like back when Stefan Diggs was there, Thielen was primarily a big slot receiver and, uh, you know, or at least like a 50 50 flanker slot guy. So they have a lot more. I think the one thing that's definitely going to be true is, you know, they're going to, 
I expect they're going to be much more of like an 11 personnel team when they're previous, previously been like a too tight offense. Um, so there, that's why when you look at just from like a target percentage, like the percentage of overall targets, the percentage they got from the slot, that's why it's a little lower down there just because they didn't play a lot of three receiver snaps there. So um, that maybe that could be a, a, a good deal of something for a guy like KJ Osborne uh, or, you know, someone's going to see the field more next year, but, uh, or they add another guy, we'll see. potentially affect if at all, just just spitballing here, Dalvin Cook's um, targets and you know stock as a PPR star. Uh, it's a good question. I think it, it, it probably isn't is like a net neutral. I'd imagine. I still think he'd be like about the same you know target projection as he'd usually be. If anything, I just think they'll pass the ball more, like in neutral situations, than they did. We know that, like Mike Zimmer wanted to play some boomer ball there, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but I think that they'll be in much more advantageous, like pass first situations. Kevin O'Connell's basically said as much too, like that. You know, we don't need to run the ball just to run the ball type of thing. Like they're not trying to get to some certain stupid rush attempts plus completions number or whatever that goes around the old uh, boys circle in the NFL. So I like what Kevin O'Connell said so far. I think it's interesting that they've been so committed to Kirk Cousins. That makes me think that like they don't view that this, they view this as like, all right, this is a good roster that we can try to see how this thing works for another year. Do they end up extending Kirk Cousins? That would be a whole nother discussion. I think that some team could maybe try to make them a really good offer for Kirk Cousins if, if they get, cause like, people hate on Kirk cousins, you know, and like, I, I get it. He obviously has his, his very particular set of flaws, but there's no question. He's an above average, maybe slightly above average starting quarterback in the NFL that can get you a productive offense. Uh, and it's pretty tough right now. If you're the Vikings to say, well, we're just going to dump Kirk and we're going to get into the Mariota Trubisky, uh, Winston wilderness with this weird rookie class that we've got here. I also believe Kirk cousins wants to stay in the Midwest and wants to stay in Minnesota. And that that and why is not? A, an additional factor for him. Um, I mean, money well, he, have to, he doesn't have to do his plexiglass box anymore where we're no. no more COVID protocols in the NFL. So he does. He can step out of his plexiglass box. He doesn't have to deal with that, <laughs> those questions anymore. So uh, he can enjoy the Minnesota weather freely, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the Cardinals because that's messy. Um, that's weird. So, <laughs> so I don't even know how to make a smooth transition because they have been uh, devoid of smooth transitions in Arizona. Uh, so earlier this week, Ky- well, we know Kyler Murray scrubbed his Instagram, scrubbed his social media. Uh, and then earlier this week, his agent put forth this very odd manifesto written in all caps, which is a definite choice. Written um, all caps, but also the tiniest little font, you know, so. <laughs> right. Um, Not I mean, maybe that. that's, but maybe that's, a, like, if we're reading, if we're trying to, like, find double meaning, tiny font, but big words, Kyler Murray, tiny quarterback, big heart. Big injury history. Yeah, well, that may be <laughs> a video game issue as well. Like, it, it does not surprise me that there is a player who wants more money and all of a sudden the team is leaking character issues about him in a in in a space where like there could be a market for Kyler Murray right I don't think anybody and I think Charles Robinson said this on you pod to win the game like nobody believes that Kyler Murray is going anywhere outside of Arizona but it is interesting that despite the uh, like ire that is going on between the quarterback and the team 
Arizona printed contract extensions for Cliff Kingsbury after a eh, not great year. And also, like, it's pretty believable that he and Kyler have a little ish that they're going through. And Steve Kime. I mean, also, I don't know yeah, what that man did in a previous life. But, like, can I just absorb some of that good? Uh, he is maybe one of the luckiest humans on the planet to just keep paying it forward, rolling that, rolling, rolling it forward. Through 2027, by the way, it is currently 2022, five more years. Yeah, he has been with the Arizona Cardinals in some capacity since 1999. Uh, he's been the general manager since 2013. Was, was he there? When did when did Bruce Arians get to? Yeah, because he Cardinals? was on that hard knock show, but it was the Amazon one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, so he was he was so he's been there for Bruce Arians. He's been there for old um, Steve Wilkes. And now for Cliff Kingsbury, like that's three head coaches. That's pretty rare for a general manager, um, especially when the, the you know, it's yeah, like that easy off field issue, too. Yeah, he had the off field yeah. issue. He draft he traded up for Josh Rosen and then was done with Josh Rosen in a year. So it's like in one way, you'd be like, hey, good on you. You realize that was a mistake or like, well, they're really probably the only reason you trade Josh Rosen is because Cliff Kingsbury is there and he says he wants Kyler Murray. So I don't know. That's, I guess, old history. But I actually think that, you know, it's interesting, too, that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray share an agent. That's a that's an interesting note of this too. Uh, like so, I think that there actually probably is not as much heat between Cliff and Kyler. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of heat. I think between Kyler and the front office, like because Steve, like I, we're no, those immature and um, you know finger pointing qu quotes. I'm gonna bet that those probably came from somebody. Maybe in not Steve Kime, but somebody in well, a hundred percent in the organization. But you know, somebody in the front office, uh, whether it is time or one of his uh, you know lieutenants or something like that because um, I think it was at one point recently uh, they someone asked Steve Kime like about getting Kyler Murray's input on the roster and he was basically I think he's just always going to like kind of laughed it off and said yeah I'm sure he'll always just tell me to get an offensive playmaker or something and this is a guy in Steve Kime who's, who's drafted linebackers in each of the uh, last two first rounds uh, for going like a CD lamb type when Kyler Murray was lobbying for that so I, I do think there is it is it is decidedly weird here. Um, you know, typically quarterback extensions happen. You think of the last big guys who've gotten extended, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, you know, in their third seasons, they usually get extended in the summer, right? But it sounds like Murray wants this thing, you know, Lamar Jackson it still hasn't been given a contract extension. It sounds like they're kicking it to over the summer. They'll probably get this done. So for whatever reason, I mean, I, I, and the reason is who doesn't want guaranteed money the sooner the better, right? Uh, I mean, if I could get guaranteed money now, I'd rather have it now than in, in, in the summer, right? But it sounds like uh, Murray and his agent want this extension done right now. Uh, the Cardinals are either willing to put it off until maybe next year or at least uh, the summer or something like that. But it is decidedly weird here. And I, I mean, I made the joke about his injury history, but... The last two seasons for Kyler Murray have um, looked almost exactly the same, right? When you think about he starts off hot, starts off really dynamic. I think he was even better at the beginning of last year than he was uh, in the beginning of uh, 2020. But then around the middle of the year, he suffers an injury. The play tails off. The team tails off with him. They were still better overall last year, but it is essentially the same. Like it's a very similar pattern that his career is following so far. He's been asking for protection for his entire career. Um, and it, it does not surprise me that, that a, that a player uh, who has, that a player ha of this stature has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, right? Like requires 
maybe a different set of um, tools than I don't want to say what whatever the he is he is of this new era of quarterbacks right that I think was initially embraced and found successful by Russell Wilson and so we've seen this new wave kind of take a different shape and so Arizona is willing to embrace a new play caller, a different kind of play caller, the spread offense. I mean, how many times did we hear that a couple of years ago? But it (laughs) doesn't seem as though they're as willing to embrace um, giving Kyler Murray a different set of tools. Yeah, they're slightly uh, above the salary cap right now. And the the biggest way that they could get relief is by cutting their starting left tackle in DJ Humphreys. So that's also kind of problematic. Let's go from the Cardinals to the Bucks because Bruce Arians, you mentioned, was the former head coach in Arizona and now obviously in Tampa Bay. He said that a trade for a veteran quarterback seems, quote, out of the question. Again, putting a period on what we started this news and notes section with. Um, I also really appreciated Bruce Arians' transparency when talking about Tom Brady. Like if Tom Brady would go to a different team, he was like, oh, that's bad business. No. Yeah, no, I'd no, be pissed. No. Like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I love I I agree. I love that too. And then said, like, what would the asking price be like oh, five first round picks or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> um, so that was just a, another little note. Chris Ballard, who we mentioned at the top of the show, another quarterback issue. Uh, when asked about Carson Wentz's future, lit him up with platitudes. Amazing character, great guy. But would not mention whether or not he said everything except he's going to be back. In fact, he said, quote, we're working through it. I, I am interested to hear your thoughts on this Colt situation because I'm not it, it does seem like the Colts are done with Carson Wentz. Like they felt like they were one position away from the playoffs or a potential Super Bowl run and that Carson Wentz just wasn't it enough. And I don't think anyone's going to dispute the fact that he's a wildly streaky quarterback. Frank Reich probably knows that better than anybody else, right? But I I feel like nobody's really factoring in the loss of Matt Eberflus, and I know that he was in charge of the defensive side of the ball, but there's going to be, I have to imagine, a little bit of regression when they switch hands here. And the defense was one of those defenses that, I mean, really, really was well coached, like played above expectation was I would, I would credit Eberflus with an immediate turnaround, by the way, from when he took over and also coaching up these players to a level that is not typical. And I think that's why he's gotten the attention and going to be the head coach in Chicago. But so you have to imagine there's going to be a little bit of regression here. So especially because by the way, they they hired Gus Bradley to be his replacement, which by the way so uninspiring it's like we've we've seen the Gus Bradley story also from a schematic standpoint like Matt Eberflus runs like a very pure cover two type defense we know that I mean watch uh Gus Bradley's defense in Las Vegas against the Chiefs last year he doesn't run anything except that old cover three stuff that they were <laughs> right. doing like so it's going to be interesting like that's a is Gus Bradley's going to come in there and run the same old defense that he always has it's a weird transition and, and I don't think it's going to be as effective. Like, I, I just don't think that that team is nope. talented enough to make up for the deficiency of Eberflus's exit. So then, obviously, the offense is going to be affected. And I'm wondering if they're trying to find a quarterback, they're expecting a defensive regression, and knowing that that defense can't necessarily keep them in games as much as they could have last year. And so they're needing a quarterback who can put more on his shoulders and 
the stakes have become even higher for the quarterback. I don't know, like, because it does seem to me when you look at the other options available, why you wouldn't just, you already signed him to a two-year deal. Like, why you wouldn't just, like, work on it. That, that's the only conclusion I can come to, especially given the familiarity Reich has with Wentz. So I think um, it's funny. We're talking about the Bucks. We're talking about the Colts. Like, if you had asked me on Christmas Day, 2021, would either of these teams be in, like, the position that they're in right now, potentially looking at the Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, group of free agents, be like, are we better off? This, But they're both in that position. They're both unexpected teams looking for potentially a new quarterback. I think you're right to sound kind of – little confused about the whole suspicious a little confused about the whole Wentz thing because I don't think Indianapolis is quite sure what what they're going to do yet I think they're still they I think they are um they're not there's not I don't think there is an all the way internal agreement about what to do now I think the owner is out like and that that's that's the problem when it starts with Jim Irsay like being done with Carson Wentz I think that's that sounds like that's where this is starting you know, Ursay, I think, tweeted something out like you need an offense that's going to score you 30 points. You need a defense that's going to, you know, do this and that. And it's like very apparent like, oh, yeah, so you don't have that quarterback. That's clear. But the way they finished the season, they lose to the Raiders. Uh, they obviously had that meltdown against the, the Jaguars. Wentz was terrible in those two games. Even on that Christmas Day game where they beat the Arizona Cardinals, Wentz tried to throw that game a couple away, a couple times away, and then he went 5 for 12 or something like with the 57 yards and interception in a win against the uh, the Patriots uh, on in mid-December, too, on a Saturday game. So he finished the season horribly. And I think the owner is done with him. I think Frank Reich still sort of kind of believes in him. Like, you know, he it's it's clear that I, you know, I, I hate to like call out an NFL head coach, but I think it's pretty clear that Frank Reich's personal relationship with Carson Wentz is clouding his evaluation of of like what to do with the player, because it's just clear that they're very close. You know, there's there's a bond between men there. Uh, and who has – everybody's made that mistake in their life. Like, let a personal relationship with somebody cloud the professional relationship with the, with them too. Uh, so I think that's where Frank Reich is. And I think Chris Ballard's probably stuck somewhere in the middle. I think he would probably prefer to be done with Carson Wentz. But there is no real obvious solution. They don't have a first-round pick this year. The problem is, though, I feel like once you've put one foot out the door – with kicking your quarterback out, like you're kind of between a rock and a hard place there. Like, can you really stare the fan base uh, in the eye? Can you bring this guy back into the locker room after kind of all the reports were like, this guy is done. They want him out of the building. Uh, You know, Frank Reich used the, the term. I stuck my neck out for this guy twice in his press conference in Indianapolis. And I mean, it got them a pretty embarrassing end to their 2021 season. Where would you send him? Like where me. where would you send Wentz, and then who who would you just wish cast it like and, and, and but you can't use Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Who would you send to Indianapolis? Like of of what's available? Like I don't think Jimmy. Do you think I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's a, an upgrade from Carson Wentz? Uh, I think Jimmy's better than Carson Wentz, but Jimmy comes with the baggage of you have to trade for him, and he has uh, a surgery now on the table at this point where he might not throw till the summer. So on his throwing shoulder, and he's also makes those mind melting decisions, yeah. which is what Carson Wentz is getting killed for. Yeah. And it's not, and they're funny because they're completely different, like archetypes of players, you know, Carson Wentz came into the league as like this bit, almost like a Ben Roethlisberger type of guy, you know, yeah. big can play on the move, uh, big arm talented, but like the mistakes he makes are on these like stupid short throws, just like Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo throws interceptions, like you know, short and over the middle. Uh, Carson Wentz kind of the same thing. So, 
they're a little bit cut from the the same cloth in that way. So I don't know. I I would still like if I'm if I had to go into Sunday, Carson Wentz would just have me piss in my pants a lot more than than Jimmy Garoppolo would. I think Garoppolo is a little bit more of a keep the train on the tracks guy, even though he is obviously prone to those mind numbing interceptions. But yeah, I think they would have to start at a at a second round pick for for Jimmy and that, cuz that's the highest pick that they have, you know, maybe more than that and uh you know, I don't know. I mean, they they certainly have the the cap space to potential, especially if they get rid of Wentz, they have the cap space to be, you know, kind of players in this whole thing. They have uh, almost 35 or they have over 35 million in cap space right now due to the Indianapolis Colts, but still, I don't know. I guess Jimmy would be nice, you know, maybe they again, they could be in this Marcus Mariota Teddy Bridgewater world. You know, if you're if you're going to have a guy who makes stupid mistakes, like my, you might as well have Jameis Winston. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I was thinking Jameis Winston as well. Like, but but if your complaint is that Carson Wentz throws games away because of his decision making, then uh, the two of the three. Well, I would put Mariota in that category. Like none of these guys are known for their uh, anticipation necessarily, you know, and I think that that's the tricky piece. I think the biggest problem with Wentz is that he doesn't he makes mind melting mistakes, but he doesn't really offer like what is Carson Wentz good at at this point? I mean, he just, I, I, I hear you. I mean, he does have really nice arm strength, and I think that works well for unlocking Michael Pittman's uh, pass interference yards. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo also has like an incredibly friend is coming out of an incredibly friendly system and like a ton of yeah. playmakers around him. You know, like the ghost of T.Y. Hilton is there's still rumors he's going to come back again. Like, oh I, and, no, and we're not giving up on Paris Campbell. Like, I, I also don't look at this roster and think like, oh, damn, you know, this is this is enviable. Um, it's an attractive system. I think it. I think Frank Reich runs a good offense. I think that's why some of the efficiency metrics look good on, you know, Carson Wentz just like they kind of look good on Jacoby Brissett too like I don't think it's the worst fit in the world for uh, a Jimmy Garoppolo type quarterback or a Teddy Bridgewater or Marcus Mariota Um, it's just this is like then you're it's a new starting quarterback every single year uh, for yeah I mean I hear you I just I just feel like for the money that you're gonna have to give up and the situation you're already in like don't make the Andy Dalton mistake or the Nick Foles mistake my god Chicago made both of those mistakes at the same time (sighs) and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but those are names. We are going to hear those names. Like, yep. it wouldn't surprise me to hear those names over the course of this uh, of this spring and summer. Sure. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. All right. Well, you know what? You should ignore those names in fantasy. But there are other <laughs> things that are less obvious, perhaps, that them all. <laughs> you need to ignore from the 2021 fantasy season. Let's start with the touchiest subject of them. Um, this is one I've actually heard you speak really eloquently about Calvin Ridley whether or not we're believing he's an automatic rebound to wide receiver one status. Um, I, I mean, what are we, what are we doing with him? And I have to imagine there's going to be a statement made by him or his camp at some point. Part of what makes this murky is that he hasn't really said anything. And so we're all just sort of assuming like, Oh, he took a year off, got it right. Got whatever he needed to work on, worked on. And now we're going to draft him, you know, in the top 20. Yeah, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, neither they said there's still no update on Calvin Ridley. So it, that's why it's kind of a touchy subject because, you know, he obviously took away, took a year away for personal reasons. Not even, a, not a full year, but obviously I think, what was it, like week 
six, seven, something like that. He, he steps away and never comes back. Uh, it was kind of an open-ended thing there for Calvin Ridley. Uh, and then the first thing that you hear about him is trade rumors. As soon as the year ends, uh, uh, Steve White, who works for the Falcons, is is a uh, is a great reporter. Also works for NFL Network. Uh, you know, he was kind of I think the first one to say that it it could be just a time like a good time for both sides to wash their hands of each other. Uh, you know, Arthur Smith wasn't there for Calvin Ridley's biggest season, obviously the year before Arthur Smith gets hired there. Um, you know, he had a huge target total did uh, Calvin Ridley when he played, but it never really quite clicked there for him. I think it probably would have had the year gone on. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the, gotta be the hardest question is what do you do with Calvin Ridley? Do you just, and cause let's assume he, he's going to be on a new team. I think there's a lot of teams, this free agent wide receiver class, is interesting as we talked about on last podcast, but all the big names are probably going to get wiped off the board. And then it's like a bunch of guys that have been hurt or have like some mercurial parts of their past too. Calvin Ridley certainly has this big mercurial situation going on right now, but is squarely in the middle of his prime. Like he's just 27 years old. Uh, I think he's a stone cold baller, like a true number one receiver. So teams like the jets who have extra draft capital, um, teams like the Eagles who have extra draft capital, like they would theoretically be banging on the Falcons door to, to acquire a receiver like this. I mean, just, I, I, if he's depending on where he lands, like, I think if he was back with the Falcons, I'd be ready to just like, all right, let's, let's roll. As long as he says he's, he's good to go. And he's, he's locked and loaded. Like, I think you'd, you'd buy him right away and, and you keep going, but it's just like, where is he going to play is the toughest question right now. So this is going to be landing spot, very landing spot dependent Matt, you know the cap situations and all of these teams off the top of your head very impressively. Where's Miami? Uh, right at the top. <laughs> they have the most cap space in the NFL. The Chargers are number two with $56 million. So I would love to see Ridley go to Miami. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. Um, with you get two, Mike two McDaniel different- there as well two guys who get open man Jalen Waddle Calvin Ridley and you know that's like enough already with Devontae Parker as your number one outside receiver that's uh that, that's good business yeah. and I think that's a way to invest in Tua and then retain Mike Gusecki who's a free agent but as we talked about last last week will we'll likely return I'd love to see that that would be my my favorite pick and I also just want to point out that um we have seen players in the past players who have like robust production, Brandon Marshall comes immediately to mind, talk about mental health and its importance. And this conversation is one that's opening up more and more. So there is um, data that shows that players can get the help that first of all, recognize that they need help, which is incredibly important. And I think really courageous and then get the help they need and continue to produce both on the football field and in a healthy way that allows them to have a career beyond the gridiron. So, um, you know, I, I just, if we're going to talk about it, let's also layer in that pretty important, um, sure. not stat driven point. Alan Robinson. So I talked about Brandon Marshall. Let's talk about a current. Well, I don't think he's current in a couple of days. He won't be a current Chicago bear <laughs> for much longer. Um, if we're looking at this last season, are you worried at all about him maybe hitting a cliff? Like I- I'm going to believe that there's a lot, there's some injury stuff that led to his, I mean, there was certainly injury stuff, but there was also play calling issue and drama and just like bad vibes, frankly, that led to his absolutely disastrous 2021. Or are you like, no, nah, I'm not willing to throw it out. Like, I think that probably he's, 
creeping toward the precipice of towards a cliff. Where do you come down on this? Because obviously you're you pay attention to the bears, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Where do you come um, down? On this? I want I I want to see some more medicals. Honestly, I want to see because I don't think we truly know what the health situation was or what the it would not surprise me if like come soon frankly because you always hear like agents start to like talk about how severe injuries were ahead of the free agent market right to say like oh you didn't know that he was hampered by x y and z and so as i'm going to be interested to see if that starts to come up now if nothing is revealed ahead of his new landing spot publicly because that usually drums up some sort of um value for buyers and i think that's why agents tend to like lay it into the press and into the media if none of that is drummed up, I'm going to take a step back because I think he might be getting to a place where uh, the best of his playing is behind him. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting because he had a, a, he's had a long health history too. He obviously tore his ACL uh, in, in Jacksonville, uh, which ended up pushing him towards free agency. So uh, now he did have a, an ankle injury early in the season, like around, well, m- about midway through the season, week six, week seven. Then he dealt with a hamstring injury from around weeks 10, uh, no, 11 and weeks 13. Uh, and uh, then he also like had COVID too, where he missed two games with COVID. And he said he lost like 10 pounds or something like that late in the year. Uh, so there was certainly like an everything that could go wrong, did go wrong for him from like a health perspective. You're right too, that there was definite drama between him and the front office. Like he's been out there on Twitter, like talking about his, his target totals, you know, that he went from like 150 plus to 66, even with some of that missed time, he was not involved in the offense. And I've just been reviewing uh, his, his game film over the last couple of days. Oh my God. That offense is like Liz. I've watched a, I've watched a lot of wide receivers and a lot of bad offenses. That one last year might be the worst uh, from like start to finish there for Chicago. I mean, especially in the first half of the season, I know that Justin Fields kind of flashed towards the end of it, but I don't really think we need to mince words like Fields was terrible when he got put into the and and was terrible. And everybody knew they couldn't push the ball down the field too, especially the first two weeks with the Andy Dalton offense, man, Teams are just sitting there in zone coverage, shallow. And and by the way, they're not even sending Robinson on like deep routes at all. You know, he's not getting deep posts. He's not getting, you know, nine routes down the field. Uh, it's all just like short hitches, curls, little flat routes. And teams are just sitting on that stuff because, you number one, you got Andy Dalton back there and you can't pass protect. And then once Fields got back there, the pass protection, we know that Fields will shoot the ball downfield and he got better at it as the year went on. But when he first got in there, he was just a sitting duck for for most of that time. So I am kind of willing, and this is no surprise because I've been a big Robinson backer for a long time. And I think um, in any other situation, he would have been much more productive last year. I just think that was like the stone worst situation. And there were some times where he probably could have played better, you know, not great in contested situations, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, overall, we couldn't separate like that. And I, that's also part of yeah, the issue. I, I don't, I kind of disagree with that, uh, especially uh, when I, mostly from, from a zone coverage perspective, not good at getting a lot of separation there. But a lot of that is a scheme type of thing, too. Like when you're looking at him from a man coverage perspective, like he can still get open. He's still a good route runner. But I do think the longer the injuries piled up, the worse he got as a separator. I think that's a, 
you know, also like, uh, are you really, are you really going to go out there and, and uh, give your best for a bears team that won't commit to you and, and is making you run through another bad quarterback but again? That's kind of what we talked about with Kenny Galladay, right? Like that was the Kenny Galladay excuse. Then he blew up the free agent. Like we're talking about New York, right? Like they overpaid yeah. big surprise. And I did, I, I would love, if I do rest versus rust again this summer, um, I'd like to do Allen Robinson as we're talking about it, because I'm looking at his injury history and I'm wondering if, you know, obviously it was 2017 where he tore his ACL, but it feels like in week 10, so late-ish in 2020, he hurt his knee again. And then there was just knee, hamstring, ankle, all like that cascade thing. So maybe something never got repaired. Uh, which definitely was the case with Kenny Galladay and like led to a bunch of cascading soft. Once those soft tissues start eroding, I, I don't know if you, if, if the player is able to stay on the field long enough. So this is going to be an interesting one. I appreciate what you said though, about the scheme, not helping him. Um, I'd like to talk to the, to, do, to the doctor and see if he feels like whatever is in there needs to either be scoped or fixed and if any other medicals come out because I have a, I have a feeling that it's more than just um, the absolute abhorrence that was going on uh, offensively yeah. in Chicago. I think he was definitely banged up for sure and that affected his play the longer the season went on and, and you're right to ask. That's always the question with these guys is, okay, you can say, well, he'll just be healthy next year, but you know, maybe he won't be as, as we get here. I mean, he's 27 years old. He's not like, you know, 32 or something like that, but still, um, he's, uh, he's not as old as me. Uh, so yeah. I don't, I don't well, know. let's talk about, um, if we're talking about injuries, let's talk about Derrick Henry's because I think this is ever, if we're the, the, the trope on Henry has been, well, he's the anomaly, right? Like he does things that we can't compare him to the rest of the pack because he is just different. Nobody runs at his size the way he does, he is special. He also had never been injured previously. And even though it was amazing that he came back, when I interviewed him at the Super Bowl, he talked about the factor media week of the Super Bowl. He talked about like, yeah, he came back, but it still, quote, wasn't enough. This is a foot injury. Obviously, if you're thinking physiologically, big man, um, your feet take more pressure than the heavier you are, the the broader your build. So I do feel like people want to roll their eyes. Like that is a factor. I will personally say, and I can be wrong on it, but we get to pick our players and that's the joy of this, uh, this choose your own adventure football game we play. I am going to stay away from him because I just don't want to have to deal with it. And I might lose out, but I think he's probably going to be like the second or third overall pick. Are you as interested in investing in him that early in drafts. I think if he goes around the three, four pick, like I'll certainly think about it. The pro I mean, just, just, I just would feel so much better taking like a, a Cooper cup or a Devonte Adams. If Aaron Rodgers back in green Bay, as we expect, or a, you know, a, a, a Justin Jefferson, even who we talked about earlier, like, it is definitely one of those things with Derrick Henry where you wonder if this is the start of something, uh, but he has been an anomaly so far. And, you know, he, I think that's so true. Like he came back in that playoff game. We're all like, all right, Derrick Henry's back. And then you watch Derrick Henry run the rock a couple of times. You're like, okay, maybe he's <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they ought to give Dante Foreman some more carries. And that's always <laughs> how this stuff goes, you know, like with these return, like these stars return for the playoffs and that's great. But then you actually watch him out there and it's like, well, maybe there's a reason he's, he's out for the season. The season just happens to be what 
a couple of weeks longer for the Titans here than we'd expect. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that was a, I, I think you're right though, that he'll be an extremely like a pick you, you take and you're always going to be kind of thinking until you see him week one, week two. And if he's out there looking like the old Derrick Henry, then great. You'll feel great about it until, uh, you know, something else happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything, any, what about AJ Brown? Like to that? I know he's, he certainly struggled with soft tissue issues and a Chipotle bout. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about anything that can go wrong, will go wrong. Uh, that was what it was like to have AJ Brown in your fantasy team last year. It's like, okay, when he's active, you play him and you just shut up and you don't even think about it. But, um, you know, even the Chipotle game, he has no catches in the first half and gets 90 plus yards in the second half of that game. Uh, I can't remember who it was against, but I think it was like on a Thursday or something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he's, he's a guy I'm going to be extremely bullish on and like try to just be, um, what is like a Bob Harris says like injury uh, agnostic or whatever. Agnostic, I'm going to be, yeah. I'm going to be trying to be real injury agnostic with AJ Brown. Cause he's just so, he's so good. Like he, I think he's, he's so like good a and top. He's young. This is also yes. the thing. Like I'm not worried about players who have presented with some issues and they're still in their, you know, under their first five years in the league. Like I agree with you, AJ Brown, he's going to get the targets and he is definitely an alpha. So I'm not at all, worried about him and I almost hope that the recency bias like he's I if I'm talking right now like I don't know. He's definitely in my top 12. He might be in my top 10. If I'm thinking off the top of my head. He might be in my top five. Like if you really, I think he has the potential to have like a nuclear wide receiver one type of season at some point. Mm. Like I think he has, I think he has that capability. Like overall, it just depends on the offense. Like some things would have to be a little different for Tennessee, of course, but um, from an efficiency standpoint, from a volume standpoint, from just a pure, like good at the game standpoint, he checks every single box you'd want for a guy to finish as the top scoring receiver in fantasy. So um, he will definitely be one that I, I ignore the injury history on it and, and uh, just go ahead and click that name and hope that like, he's, you know, he's your injury prone until you're not. But I agree with you. We're, we're in lockstep on that. Um, James Connor. I don't know. We're going to end on James Connor. I'm just going to call it now. Sizzle, probably... sizzle of a name. <laughs> well, we talked about the Cardinals and the, frankly, the dysfunction that's going on in the desert. James Connors free agent. We talked about that as is Chase Edmonds. Are we, I think we can rest assured that, you know, I don't like to say TD regression. Don't ever say it in front of Scott Pianowski because he has got some thoughts about it. But (laughs) I do think that James Connor is probably someone that we can safely say we should expect TD regression from. Yes, for sure. Uh, Also, I kind of don't expect him to be back in Arizona. Um, you know, from like a salary cap standpoint, like I mentioned earlier, they've got some issues there. You know, Chase Edmonds is also a free agent. They'll certainly have an opening uh, at running back. But what if know, he goes to would, the Giants and they trade Saquon Barkley? Like, and then then they've got the free. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I want him to go to Carolina. I want him to be like a one. Oh, two that's punch. right. We, we ta- I think we talked about that, yeah, that yeah, last episode, did. but um, that's not going to happen. They, they'll be too busy spending. They'll be the ones taking on Carson Wentz's contract from the Colts. So uh, I'm already mentally Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz quarterback battle for the Panthers in 2022. You know, I, I actually want to end there because we talked enough about the bears that I have so much ick. Let's give your team the one that you have a complicated history with a little bit of ick. Um, I don't even know if you can say I had this conversation with somebody recently. I was like, I don't even know if you could say we're in a complicated relationship. I was in a complicated relationship with the Carolina Panthers under Ron Rivera. But like Matt rule, Carolina Panthers. I'm like, oh, baby, you're too much of a mess. I can't I can't talk to you. You're, but if, the, you're if something starts gone. clicking, I think and this is a funny like offseason conversation to consider that any team that you 
you have history with, like if they start doing well, there's a piece of you that like feels kind of good again, that feels a little oh, bit yeah. alive again. And that's the, you know, like the bears, I had no person. I wasn't like, oh man, the bears suck. Like I didn't take, well, I don't take any of it personally anymore because of the business we work in. But like, I don't know, when Justin Fields was drafted, I was like, okay. Like I felt yeah. a little, I was like, yeah, all right. Let, let, I'm going to get a Justin Fields jersey. Let's do that. And then it fell apart and I was like, oh yeah, I'm back to, all right, all right I forgot. I yes. forgot. It's, it's easy to, um get out once you once you've like once you've broken up once it's easy to to withdraw again for sure um and especially like same thing when when cam newton was there uh there was like right right before he like started his first game everything from the, the moment vibes. he signed uh yeah the vibes were good it was fun that was a, a pretty electric time to be like okay panthers wow this is kind of cool i'm i'm the the like it reminds you of the way it used to be, and then it's like yeah. oh no, but you still got this goofball here who's running this uh this two quarterback offense, and Sam Darnold's still around. It's like I get me as far the hell away from this <laughs> as I possibly can be. Well, we cannot get far away from football or fantasy football because the NFL has created a product that churns 365 days a year. As such. Well, this is it for today's episode. The rest of the crew, Scott, Dalton, and Andy, will be back with more fantasy football goodness and podcasting on Tuesday. You can go ahead and follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And definitely remember to follow at Yahoo Fantasy on socials. Until then, we're out and uh, enjoy your weekend. Take some deep breaths. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.